Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host. In this episode 329. Sorry, 330. Holy shit. 330 of these things. I'm joined, as always, by my co host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing uh, on this pretty nice Thursday evening? Uh, it's like a thousand fucking degrees in DC, but aside from that, I'm doing great. Yesterday was the first important basketball game with draft consequences of the cycle so my winter has ended it's draft season which means yes listeners i already spammed schwind with some highlights about the game that he did not ask for i also barely watched them just so you know i would expect nothing less i would expect Um, nothing more actually (laughs) you said winters uh the draft winter is almost over so the starks are in trouble that's right. Uh, look out for them. Hopefully, they get a few more survivors this time around. <laughs> but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. We're posting all kinds of new content there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise, which is available to find on our website, which is www.at.com. The strict dot land. Um, we have all kinds of shit out there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, water bottles, coffee mugs, you name it. We have got it. Again, you can find that on our website. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you, can, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host. If you're referring to the press, you also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag, alongside... Dallas Amico that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that comes with access to Strickland Roll. My son, I uh, rant and rave about the Knicks even more. Although I did have a nice discussion this week, uh, maybe nice depending on your point of view about the Miami Heat. Uh, you also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Marino, one of the best in the business, one which dropped earlier today. Oh, shit. I got to read and that. You- and you also get access to Strictly NFL, our new NFL podcast, which Prez religiously listens to already. Yes, are- everybody knows he, Prez, who listens to all the basketball pods, would certainly listen to all the NFL pods as well. Correct. Correct. The NFL fan has logged on. Uh, and it being opening week of the NFL, I would definitely recommend you check that out and uh, cash in on their betting and fantasy options. But if you lose, definitely don't blame us either. Uh, there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier. There's going to a variety of additional benefits like listening on a pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours. Truly wonder whether you choose to subscribe out on this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. 
head to the website website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code Believe BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. Um, and we did have a basketball game yesterday uh, in which one R.J. Barrett played a... We, Canada, that's right. Us, Canada. us, us Canadians us. of big, New York, which touches big, Canada sometimes. Yes, correct. Uh, us, the Canadian representation of New York State, stand up. Um, no, look, uh, R.J. had a really nice game in typical R.J. fashion. He also missed his last five shots, betrayed his fucking box score, not look very good. But he played a very good game. He had 13 points in the third quarter. Uh, a quarter, which more or less sealed the deal. Uh, I mean, that that the game was over after that point. It was academic, as one might say. Um, but I will let Prez go, because I will, I guess I'll just say this. My one take on this game was that, like, I thought RJ played well. I was happy to see RJ play well. I was also like, there are just a couple of finishes he had that I'm like, they went in, but they're mm-hmm. the finishes where I'm like, I don't know if that's good or <laughs> if that's actually like annoying, but it still went in. So um, overall, though, I think this game and this tournament for RJ have been really, really, um, they've, they've been nice positives for him. I think he's building momentum that he can hopefully carry into the season with him. And the main takeaway I have is that, um, he looks more explosive than he did for long parts of last season. And I had somebody like, I, I just tweeted out like, oh, this is as explosive a move as RJ's ever had in the half court. And I got somebody that was just like, oh, well, is it because he's playing fucking Slovenia and they're terrible? And I'm like, I mean, look, I'm sure that helps. But like, we've seen RJ not capitalize athletically when he should you don't, you don't jump it. higher depending on who you're playing bro right like <laughs> it, it, i just i didn't really understand that also like if you're that upset about it i don't know man like if you're an extent like just really upset about some really like minor rj barrett praise please get help um but yeah look I, I thought i thought he played a nice game i think he's had a nice tournament i don't think he's been dominant i'm not gonna come away from this and being like star like the star turn is here like let's get ready no but i think if he really just plays at this level in the regular season that's great like and i mean both ways i think his defense has been solid i think his offense Mm -hmm. is making good decisions generally speaking um and you know you can always strive for a better balance in his case particularly when he puts the ball on the deck and starts you know driving towards the basket but you can't be too greedy i think you just want to see him play well and he is he is playing well and he's playing well for a team that look i mean they who are they playing they're not, are they playing serbia they're playing serbia right? yeah yeah serbia is not serbia is not a joke serbia is not a joke like they'll have to really take care of business but you would expect this canadian team uh our canadian team sorry on on the basis of their talent which includes rj barrett to get to the finals, and I would expect the Americans to be in the finals, and I would expect that to be a very, very fun matchup, and one that I think look like. Obviously, there'll be nice, there'll be big showdowns all across the board there, but it is definitely a big showdown for RJ Barrett in that scenario. You know, he's going to be playing against guys like McCall Bridges and Anthony Edwards, who are rightfully, wrongfully, justifiably, however you want to put it, viewed as superior prospects, players, talents. And he will have he a showcase. He'll be playing against his direct competition for playing time, Josh right. Hart. <laughs> right. So I think he's going to have a very nice showcase for himself to to make kind of, you know, 
put a little stamp at the end of the tournament for himself and uh, make all the haters shut up, as they say. Yeah, it's been, you know, a lot of, I've talked about it on prior pods, a lot of NBA players go to FIBA and because national teams tend to be worse and more top-heavy, they take on bigger roles. But RJ's role has been pretty much the same. I mean, he's, I guess, kind of by default the second option after SGA, but it's not really by a large margin. And obviously, he's the third option in New York. But on the Canadian team, it's pretty much SGA and then everyone else. So forget the where on the totem pole he stands, just in terms of what the game looks like when you're watching. In terms of role, it's not that unfamiliar to Knicks fans. He's He starts out possessions in the corner. When he gets the ball, it's usually coming up off of curls, off of a screen, rather than just versus a set defense. Um, and then there's some of the big differences that we've talked about, right? Like we talked about on defense how he's basically the two guard, and they switch way more than the Knicks do. So he gets to defend... Pretty much one. I'm actually five. curious to see. Yeah, I'm curious to see if. I mean, I know Tibbs is watching because Tibbs has no fucking life other than to watch basketball 15 times. I'd be surprised um, if Tibbs ain't in the building. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. no, I'd be no, I'm surprised if Tibbs is Tibbs is like Philippines is far. He's a big man. I don't That's like as far play. as it would take though for him to not go. Yeah, like <laughs> no, around I the world. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> if it was just in India, I would be there. But right. the Philippines <laughs> is a bit too far. Um. No, I, I, I'm sure. I hope he's watching, and I'm sure he is watching. But like, to that point, like, look, we've talked about we talked about this in the last pod, but like, I, I think it's fine to criticize RJ for his defense last year because it was not up to par, and it wasn't mm-hmm. forget up to par. It wasn't even like the Oof. effort wasn't there yeah. consistently. It was just not good, and that's something he has to own. But I also think you can look at this FIBA thing and be and like look at it and be like, okay, like, well, maybe if I let him switch more, I will also help him. And um, yeah. that that will get a better performance out of him. So I think there's, like, stuff for, for the Knicks and for Tibbs to take away from this also with regards to, like, look, we can sit here and talk about RJ's got to do this, RJ's got to do that, sure. But, like, every team should always be striving to, like, okay, well, how can we help them be better versions of themselves? And, like, I do think the switch, like, being able to switch more um, it would benefit him a lot, and um, hopefully one Julius Randle is up to the uh, task of trying on defense this year. Yeah, you know, we spent a lot of time, we always talk about how, you know, Julius can get up for a one-on-one matchup, so we're like, you should switch more because that keeps him more engaged with his man. Um, and, you know, there's less things to keep track of, and da 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 and th- those are all advantages of the switching defense. And a lot of that applies to RJ. It's it's really noticeable how attentive he has to be for the Canadian team. Um, just because in FIBA, you get a lot more screens. You get a lot less isolation. You, When switches come, you have to know the game plan. And for Canada, because one through five, they're pretty much like their guards are big. And their bigs are fairly nimble, right? Olenek and Powell are probably a little bit more nimble than most. Uh, they're more like power forward size, right? So, like, they're a little bit better on their feet. Um, and it's not uncommon to see them just switch everything. And, like, 
I, like you rarely Powell see RJ sucks, bro. I'm so sick. Of he's Powell, he, they they need they need some help in the front court in the future. <laughs> and thank thankfully for the Canadians. Uh, actually, I don't know. Bring back Tristan. Bring back Tristan Thompson. Most of their they need I don't know Brandon Clark or some shit because even in the pipeline they got Leonard Leonard Miller. He's like the only big. Everybody else is like a guard. (laughs) Clark would actually be really good in FIBA, I think. And and Mm -hmm. if they're going to switch everything, he'd be pretty useful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's definitely uh probably better than Powell. So there's that. And I'll tell you what, RJ would throw him a fucking lob. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. He can uh. There's a, there's a, so to your point about the layups where it's like, mm, was it the best idea? I was talking, I was DMing Schwinn looking at, after looking at replays and I was like, on the one hand, this seems like typical force a bad layup RJ Barrett that we're used to. But on the other hand, the open man under the hoop is Dwight Powell or Nikhil Alexander Walker. So maybe just shoot. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> one of them was also Dort. And I'm like, and I'm like, one of them is Dort. And I'm like, I'm fine with him not passing to Dort just out of like, like on a principle, like no, I'm not passing it to you. Fuck you. Like I'm not passing it to you. Yeah, Dort has had a pretty rough offensive go of it, but that's not what he's there for. So you career. know, that's yeah. I don't think anybody's expecting that. <laughs> yeah, by go of it, I mean his career. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, like seeing RJ just be engaged on the switches. Obviously, the Knicks can't do that. You don't want him switching with Brunson. You don't want him switching with centers. A lot of the time, but I just never understood why for the like size players on the Knicks, they couldn't just call it. I know it's slightly more complicated because if you have to think one more second to think like, am I switching with Mitch or RJ or Brunson? Then like that nanosecond is all it takes for your defense to be compromised. So in in that, from that perspective, I, I, I see why someone like Tibbs who's conservative would not go for it, but like, RJ and Julius and Hart and Grimes and even quickly, like they should just fucking switch more. Like it's not if our defense was holding up stupendously with not switching, then I'd be like, yeah, yeah, they got it. You know, it's fine. But like the Knicks weren't good at defense. They weren't. It just they were. I think nineteenth in D rating or something. Even with Josh Hart, they weren't that good at defense. So like, you, I don't think you really have anything to lose. It seems very clear to me that, you know, more than ever now with RJ in the Canada experiment switching all over the place and just Julius being the guy we know that you should just try it, especially in the regular season. And if that shit doesn't work, then you dial it down. You you could fucking try out Jericho Sims for a couple weeks at the four. Then you could try out switching for a couple weeks. It's not going to fucking give you a heart attack, coach. So so that was one of the takeaways. And then... um you know, back to his offense, like, it's really a boring answer. It's like you said, it's just like, okay, make some more of your layups, make some more of your threes. And that's kind of it. Like, like, if everything else stays the same, you're probably fine. Like in, I know it's obviously a way worse level of competition. Um, He's shooting 50% from the field. 57 on twos, 39 on threes after going one of six in the last game. Um, true shooting percentage up near 60. Uh, the one thing that really jumps out at me um, is, you know, Canada runs a lot. Their advantage, like the USA, is that they have a lot more athletes um, than other teams do, and they can just get out and go. Guys like, even guys like Olinick are like, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who aren't 
you know, the best NBA players in the world, they can at least run fast and, you know, shoot threes and on the break and stuff like that. So RJ does a lot of his damage in FIBA um, of his, let's see here, of his 63 made field goals in FIBA, 31 of them are in transition. So that's a lot of them. Um, and he's, bas- he's basically like unstoppable in transition in FIBA. Like nobody's, nobody's really messing with him. Um, he's shooting 72% in transition in FIBA, according to I, Synergy. <laughs> I do think his, this, this is about to be a, <clears throat> a pause. Uh, I do think his body looks much better. As yes. Not, he looks more like, like he still looks very broad, uh, you know, across the chest as he's always been throughout his career, throughout his life, basically. Probably came out like a fucking monster. Um, but he's, he, he doesn't look as thick across the, uh, the hips. As, he looks as spry he out there. And, yeah. you know, like the way it manifests to me mostly is, um, is in transition. And then in the half court, like, there's a couple of times where he switches gears on his drives, which I really appreciate because in, in the NBA last season, he pretty much only has one gear. He doesn't really take advantage of change of pace much, but he's actually done it quite a lot in FIBA um, to the point where I wonder if those kind of moves were a point of emphasis for him. I mean, it's something he used to do all the time back in like Duke and all that. And then he kind of just became like, all right, battering ram, I only have one gear. It's the middle gear, right? Third gear, whatever. I'm not going too fast or too slow. Um, but sometimes when he gear shifts up a little bit on these drives after like a hesitation or a pause, I'm like, oh, okay. Or like like on the play where he had the one-handed dunk, um, the dunk is the jump itself was impressive, but the power step that he did to load up was like a very fast, very long step, and there was a couple of instances, even on misses, where I was pretty impressed with um. He he had one drive where I think it's like caught in the middle of the floor. It was definitely in the second half, and he like did a very not particularly deceptive euro, but like he went, he kind of like started going right and then brought it back to his left. And I think he either he might have just laid it in. I think he laid it in. I don't think it was a dunk, but it was just like. That's like you see Brunson do that all the time, right? Where he like, yeah, yeah, bakes going right, and then he kind of swings the ball back to his left, lays it in. Um, but just like it wasn't like the thing is, he's so fucking strong, he doesn't need to be that deceptive. Like you just no. need to get just a little need, bit, and then that's it. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, and and I think the biggest thing for me is just like using. He's always been strong, super strong, and he uses that strength to get to the rim. But a lot of times he'll get there and then he like is like, oh, let me try and be a finesse. Let me do like an IQ finish. And I'm like, you don't fucking need to do that. You're like, like you're built so much different. You're closer to Randall than you are IQ. (laughs) Yeah. Just be fucking gigantic and strong and like go through this guy. And I remember, I mean, you sent me this, this clip of like, uh, of RJ where he's like posting up Luca and, uh, you know, he posts him up, and it's like he actually bodied Luca to the point like Luca fell. fell down. Maybe he flopped yeah. a little, but still, Luca yeah. is one of the few players who probably outweighs RJ. <laughs> no, I don't even think that was a flop because he wasn't look. He didn't look to me like he was looking for a call. Mm-hmm. Like he, mm-hmm. it looked like RJ was just like just overpowered him, and he wasn't even prepared for it. So he like swung it out to the opposite corner for a three or something. But like 
that's that is actually probably some of the stuff you're like that is the most encouraging part to me about what I'm seeing from him and FIBA, where it's like, yeah, I know you can get to the rim, yeah, I know you can finish, you've gotten better at finishing there, and even though it's maybe probably never going to be great, it's fine as long as you get there, get there a bunch. But seeing him just like use the the power to finish through and like contact and overwhelm dudes is is the biggest positive I can take of him because I always feel like one of his issues has always been getting really close to the rim, which is possible because of his strength, but then not using the strength once he's there to like go through guys, draw contact, draw enough contact. I mean, he gets a lot of decent eye. I always feel like, and maybe this is like, you know, one of those things as fans, we always think you can, you can get more foul calls, but I always do think he can draw more fouls. And, um, you know, the stuff he's doing in FIBA, I think is really encouraging in that vein. Yeah. Yeah, and the good thing is, if you think about it, like nobody is in peak shape in the off season for the most part. Um, and you come into the season and you're going to lose weight because you're playing 82 games, give or take, of basketball. So if he comes in around this weight and then loses 10 pounds across the course of the season, right where he's supposed to be, like when he's supposed to get there. So um, from that perspective, I think it's cool um, to see him just kind of like re- enter the season in a good spot physically on defense it's tough for him because the the other side of the coin to the switching is like it's one thing to do like a passive switch but he always got to do these fucking FIBA shooting guards who are like rip hamilton style dudes who are flying around and come except it's to the three-point line so i guess more like Kyle corver and and those are tough for rj like he's decent at screen navigation given how big he is like weight wise um, but that's just always going to be a tough ask no matter what. Um, but the fact that he's like the effort is there on those because he knows, um, you know, when he's switching, he'll switch. And when he's not switching, he has to get through the screen around the, 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 to follow the shooter, because that's the thing you can't, it's, it's a lot harder to switch, even though Canada switches a lot. It's a lot harder to switch on those plays where someone's firing up from the baseline to the top around the screen to set up for a three-point shot because if you're the other defender, you can't just, like, backpedal to the three-point line. So those are – the those plays, Canada's less likely to switch for good reason. Um, and, you know, that's where it's like, okay, RJ should not be defending guys like this normally. Um, but I don't really take too much issue with that. Um, but just the fact that he's willing to, like, get at it and chase those guys is a – and not be completely toasted is pretty cool. Um, the dunks, like you said, uh, I joke about it on Twitter, but like to me, I'm always like, is he doing a Frank Nilakina dunk? Which is, you dunk it, but your head is below the net, and you're just like got long arms, or is it a real dunk? And your head is at or above the net, and I think most of the dunks in FIBA have been the latter, um, which was not the case last year. So I don't know. It's uh, it's good to see. Um, but back to the other thing, the transition thing. The other thing that got me thinking about this, um, I know you tweeted this morning about how different Knicks shoot on transition threes. And I know after we acquired Josh Hart team-wide, our transition numbers really ticked up. But that was, I think, mostly just because of Hart by himself. Literally, it's just like, he just gets out in transition that much that he makes your team stats in transition frequency go from like poor 
to above average. But just looking at the different Knicks guys, like quickly is near 44% in transition from three. Um, Brunson's near 44% from transition in three. Randall and RJ aren't good in transition from three, but they're both very good at the rim in transition. Um, Grimes is solid from three and really good at the rim. No, 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 I got to push back. Grimes is not solid. Grimes needs to be better. Grimes cannot be 36% in transition threes. Like, this is his fucking thing. This is like his bread and butter. You Mm. know, he's baby clay, all these things that people want to put out there. No fucking shot. He's got to, like... That needs to be 40 plus percent, especially with his fucking thick ass legs that he's got. Like he's, he should be nailing transition. He should be able to sprint into transition threes and absolutely drilling them. Um, that needs to be better. I, like, I understand what you're saying. Like it's solid. No, no, I agree. Like, solid, like he's like, solid, but he should be better than solid. He, he absolutely, I mean, this is, this yeah. goes back to like what I think is his biggest weakness as a shooter is he just, like, loses balance at times. And sometimes he loses balance for, like, weeks. And that's when you see, like, these hideous stretches of, like, why is he two of his last 21? Like, what what happened here? What's going on? Uh, and it's usually, like, you just see his balance is off or his release point is not, like, what it should be. And I just think he – for and, look, he, he's, what, he's 22? He, so he's, mm-hmm. like – for a shooter, 22 is not that old. Like that's that's you can still definitely improve a lot of shit as a shooter at that age, um, and I expect him to. But like, and and it a lot of that is like just repping it out, just getting more and more and more and more and more reps to the point that it's consistent. And I think the big thing to remember with Grimes is like Grimes wasn't a shooter. Like he wasn't. This was not what he was. You know, coming into college, he was like a he was a point guard. That's what like that's like he that was, was coming out of college though. Yeah. Yeah, out of college, he, but he, but it's always different, right? It's it's a shorter yeah. line. It's obviously you're not playing against NBA athletes, defenses, whatever. So like, I'm not, I'm not like when I say he needs to be better. It's not like I'm like like this is bullshit. I can't believe like yeah, 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 we're yeah, still yeah, doing yeah. this. But it's it's like a thing where I'm like no, like Quentin Grimes needs to be like if quickly and Brunson are forty four percent, I need this motherfucker to be. In the vicinity, like like that needs to be the vicinity he lives in as a there. player of his type. Yeah, I, I think he, he can, can get I there. Think, I, I, I just popped open his synergy again to look at them, and like, I mean, you're ultimately talking small, uh, sort of small samples with. Uh, unless you're Desmond Bain, unless what? <laughs> unless you're Desmond Bain, uh, unless you're Desmond Bain, in which case, all apparently all your shots are no. So this is actually uh, a good. I'm happy you brought that up. So what he's referring to is. Um, Desmond shot like 60-something for 145 in transition threes. So he had more makes than most players have transition attempts. And if you look at the video, which um, with uh, Ace DJ, from yeah, Nick's DJ Film Ace, School yeah. uh, pulled up on, in, on Twitter this morning, you know, a lot of them are really open. And that's not a surprise because when you're in transition, you can get open shots. The, the difficult part is shooting in transition. You have to stop your momentum, whether you're have the ball or not, and that's what makes it difficult. But the shots are open, right? So, like, I popped open Grimes' transition numbers on Synergy. Sure enough, again, this is a small sample, but he has pretty high guarded-unguarded transition three splits. Um, Seven for 22, 24% for guarded transition, 23 for 28, 45% for unguarded. Um, 
So it kind of gets to what you're saying about the just finding your balance in slightly more complicated situations. If there's a defender in the vicinity guarding you, it's, you know, you got to be, and it's ironic because in the half court, like guard versus on guard doesn't make a ton of difference for Quentin Grimes, I think. Um, but transition is obviously a little harder. So I think it's in there. But my greater point is like, even with our commitment team wide to keeping turnovers low, and controlling the possession game and being very deliberate. I wonder how much I I'll say this. My prediction is that I am sure that the giant Knicks analytics gang looks at all of the stuff I'm talking about, about, okay, Josh Hart made us ran more. All these guys are either good at the rim or we, we literally have like no players who are not either great at the rim or great from three in transition. Like even Grimes, who needs to be better in transition from three is great at the rim, like 70%. So like we have the personnel to play faster and we don't got to be the Memphis Grizzlies. Nobody here has to be Des Bain taking 145. I would like if Clinton Grimes wanted to be Desmond Bain. I'd be completely fine. I mean, we've been saying that, that like that should be Bain is really like the blueprint for someone like him. You know, they have different bodies, but like they're also very similar. They're six, five, they're strength-based shooters. They can finish, but getting to the rim is not their the butter of their game, right? Like they're he that definitely is the blueprint. They need to increase they need to empower Grimes a little bit. That's the biggest difference. Bain is like the second guy in Memphis. But also, um, you know, I mean, we were talking about this in our Discord today, like some of these shots, like I I I'll, I'll Bain or Grimes. The, uh, the 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 Bain ones. Like I'll, I'll retweet out the Some of them are crazy. Tweet. But, like, they are, like, they're and they're all with, like, you know, 20 seconds left on the shot clock. And, again, we were talking about this in our Discord. So it's That like, was the other thing of, I was going to bring yeah. up. Some of those shots are, like, you've got to, like, have that mm-hmm. just self-confidence. And also, like, it's not just self-confidence. you also got to be, like, I actually, even if we, I miss this and all of you hate me, I don't care. Like, I don't care. So, because- so to your point, um, Synergy has... As listeners can tell, I am just learning all the cool things about Synergy. <laughs> it transitioned for quickly. Um, they have an early jumper category. And guess how many early jumpers in transition he had on the year? He had, what, 68, 69 total? Uh, I would say he had 32. Wrong, he had zero. He had none, wow. It's a, it's a, like a different category, so there. I don't know where the line is between like. It's probably got to be. It's got to be something real. It's got to be what, like three, probably like twenty, twenty-one seconds left on the shot clock or something. Something like that. But anyway, the number is probably low, and it's the same with Grimes. And and I'll double check the tape later to to manually see because now it's stuck in my brain and I have to figure it out. But my point is like. Of the Knicks, I really only remember quickly and Julius taking early threes like it's and and quickly doesn't even take anywhere near as much as he used to back in the day before he learned how to drive and do like point guard shit because when yeah, he I first came in he was fucking that. firing that shit off willy I, I, I need him to bring back the the 30 foot threes a little bit i've been saying i need gunner quickly to come back just like a couple times a game not all the time he doesn't got to be jr smith
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.